Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you guys spent the holiday. Uh, those that honored it, those that didn't have to work, just focusing on joy and pleasure. No labor or work of any kind. Um, I took the entire day off just to focus on pleasure, fun, and play. Uh, got a great show planned for you. DMs. If you got a DM first, as always, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be sliding into those later in the show. Um, talking a little bit more about cheating. We spent some time talking about it last week. I want to talk about ways to avoid the temptation. Bum, 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 bum. Again, this uh, applies to topics outside of this general topic. So those of you that maybe aren't in a monogamous relationship or aren't in a romantic relationship, there's still a lot to learn in this. Even maybe something you'll take forward into a new relationship or give good advice to someone around. Um, listen, I'm going to kind of be weaving in a lot of different thoughts. I'm trying to remind everyone, and this is something that came out of you know clinical work. It's always interesting to see how there's a lot of uh, consistence. Uh, consistence. I'm always conjugating words to, to fit the need. Uh, consistency would be the correct way to say it, but I like the idea of consistence. Uh, around just these basic relational values and norms. In a healthy adult relationship, it is not about being right. It is not about winning. It is not about fair is fair. It's about honoring that we want to look out for the relationship and the people we're in relationship to, right? And so cheating is a disavowal of that, right? Cheating is completely stepping outside of commitment, but cheating, more importantly, is stepping outside of care, and I mean that from all angles. If, if, if you are, right, participating in someone's cheating, meaning you are the one they're sleeping with or dating while knowing that they're in a primary relationship with someone else, you are complicit. You are causing harm and you are responsible and you are not being a good person, okay? It is, it is your responsibility. It is not okay to say, well, I'm not the one that's in a relationship or with that person. It is not okay to say, I'm single. You actively know that you are a participant in harm being caused. You are not being a good person. <laughs> we do need to care, as I say, probably on every show, we do need to care about how we impact other people. And directly, actually, it's not indirect, directly, you are harming the person that is being cheated on. And the person who's, you know, the, the uh, key figure between these two is even more at fault because they formed a committed bond with this other person. If you are not wanting monogamy, that's cool. Own it. Not everyone's built for monogamy. Not everyone is oriented towards monogamy. All of us are always struggling on this long continuum, right, between the desire for autonomy and freedom and what's on the other side, which is pair bonding, relationship, and commitment. We always want both. <clears throat> both are important for mental health, right? Feeling like we have autonomy, we make decisions for ourselves, our thoughts matter, right? That we can self-direct while also wanting partnership, companionship, secure attachment to someone, someone who's in it with us, someone to move through and witness life with, right? We want both and you can have both. You can have both while still being in a committed monogamous relationship if that's what you choose, right? We have to, though, in trying to have both, not harm either. You know, one of the things I talk to clients about is sometimes we have to just symbolize a need. Maybe we just symbolize more autonomy and more freedom. We don't always need to actualize it. Or we might say, I need a little more time to myself as a way to step more into that. But if you're going to make a commitment to someone, 
you have to honor it. And if you can't, own it. But whatever need you have, whatever the cheating is a symptom of, it's a symptom of something, right? It's an attempt to solve something or to get something that's missing or to create something or to change something or to find something. It's a symptom of something. That is not the loving, kind, mentally healthy solution because it's really not much of a solution because it doesn't feel solid. It's not sustainable, right? There's like a fragility to it because there's harm. So look at what it is. A lot of affairs are driven by a hunger for connection because the connection isn't happening in the primary relationship. And the person that goes off and cheats isn't giving enough to their primary partner. If they were giving more and focusing and creating more connection, they would then be getting connection. We have to take responsibility for creating what we want. If you want more intimacy, go build it with your partner. If you want more eroticism, go initiate more eroticism. If you want more romance, bring in more romance. If you want more time together, set plans for more time together. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It is not the responsibility of anyone based on their gender. It is the couple's responsibility to create what they want. So if your romance, I'm sorry, if your relationship doesn't have enough romance or eroticism, instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to go get it elsewhere, start to build it in or request it from your partner. And if it can't be found, you talk it out or you exit. But oftentimes cheating is a way to have everything, but it harms and no needs are really gotten. It's what we call a false solution, you know? So we're going to talk more about it. But again, this is even a commitment we make with friendship. Friendship is a commitment we make that I will honor how I impact you, that I will see this cooperatively, that if repairs needed, I will do it. Again, we're not children, so we're not doing fair is fair, but you started it. No, adults don't think in those terms. Adults think in terms of I'm responsible for the relationships I'm in, and I will always look at my part. And if uh, uh, um, some kind of separation or injury occurs, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. We're mutually in this. I will help try to repair at all times anyway. We don't think in terms of fair is fair. All right, sit with that. We're gonna take a little break. We'll be back. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and we're looking at uh, cheating, <laughs> ways to prevent it. And, you know, one of the things I was saying is, you know, a lot of people leave their relationship and step outside to get needs met that aren't getting met within the relationship. But often... The reason why they have to do that is twofold. One, they don't sit down with their partner and talk about what they want and what they need and what's missing. And or two, they don't take responsibility for creating what they want. No one is a no one's passive or a victim in this. Like I said before the break, if you want more romance, be more romantic. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It's not about gender. If you want more intimacy, bring in more intimacy. If you want more time together, request and create more plans. We can't sit back and act as though we're, you know, we're being punished for something that we ourselves don't bring up or bring in or try to create and change. So, you know, really start to address that. Um, Cause that's a lot of times what, what drives affairs is um, that, or we both have let go of really maintaining worth and quality in our relationship. And it's a systemic issue. 
you know, we always have to look at what we've contributed to it. It's, it's further along in the healing process for some people that have been cheated on, but at some point, even the person that's been cheated on looks at what might I have done or how might I have contributed to this? Because it's not saying that you're responsible and that you're not victimized because you were victimized, but it is saying that you want to look at, even if it's minor, what you might've done to create a relationship that they felt okay harming that that's in there. Relationships are systems, you know, it's hard, but managing temptation is important because, you know, very few, very few acts of infidelity just happen. Often they require opportunity, but also we can often see them coming. I mean, there's like the magic formula, having time together, sexual chemistry and secrecy. That is like the trifecta. And so if we start to realize someone I'm attracted to, I also have a lot of access to, and I'm not being forthcoming with my primary partner about this person's existence. Well, that's the recipe for disaster. I'm opening the window to crawl through. And usually when we start to open that window, we start to put up a wall between us and our primary partner out of guilt or out of fear of being known. And so we have to do is you have to close that window and take down that wall. One of the best ways to bust through an affair from happening is to tell your partner about this person. Hey, there's a new colleague at work. And you start shining a light on and discussing this person, making them known. Also not spending time around people and not allowing those opportunities. If you realize that again, you have attraction to this person and they might have attraction back and there's opportunities that are created, step out of those opportunities, right? So what are the things we really wanna think about in avoiding? Cause that's, that's like the magic trifecta. Well, number one, you wanna have empathy. We do wanna to say to ourselves, what impact would this have on my partner for me to cheat on them or for them to find out that they've been cheated on? Well, if you don't know the answer to that, I'm gonna tell you. It's very traumatic for a lot of people. Um, because of the way we've set the world up and because of the way we run our relationships, that to most people is a severe um, relational trauma or what we call like an, you know, an attachment violation. Because in truly committed, healthy relationships, we have to expect to be cared for. We have to expect that our partner thinks in terms of mutuality and how everything impacts everyone. So put yourself in their shoes. It's, it's a betrayal. And that can leak into the, how they see themselves, how they see you, and also how they see the relationship, but then also how they see others and the world. So it can hit four elements, really, really eroding out their sense of security, grounding, and safety, right? Their sense of worth, like, am I not worth being treated with kindness or taken care of? Then they start to see you and wonder, can I not trust them? What else have I maybe been lied to about? Then they start to not feel good about staying soft or present in the general relationship. And then sometimes they become hypervigilant and go out into the world and just don't feel safe in general in the world at work with loved ones or other friends and family members. That is, that is very, that's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And so really go to that empathetic place. And again, if you're someone who's participating in and helping someone cheat on someone, you are also a part of that happening. Be better than that. Say to that person, we can't do this. We shouldn't continue to do this. Go work on the issues with your partner. If you don't want to be with them, leave. But if you do, stay and work it through. But to the person cheating, you have to think about that. Forming a committed relationship with someone, a secure attached relationship, which is this idea that you really want something true and deep, you are responsible for how you impact them. But bigger than that, <clears throat> these kinds of betrayals can take years to heal. So you might be part of wounding someone badly enough that it will take years for them to be able to trust you, themselves, and others. That is profound. <clears throat> like I said, because of all those different layers. So feel that guilt, feel that shame and live from that. What else do we have to do? Well, think about what kind of reaction it's gonna have. Like literally sit in this discussion and this conversation. Imagine having to sit before your partner, looking them in the face and saying to them, not only have I cheated on you, but I have to round it out and acknowledge that I broke commitment, I broke trust, maybe I can't be trusted, maybe I can, right? And you're looking at this other person who has trusted you, and at the same time you're telling them, but please trust me again, right? There, it, it can take months and years of work. Don't even step into that. And that's what this is really about. Like 
more having more self-awareness and looking at all the actions we're taking and looking at what they're leading us towards because everything we do is a movement towards or a movement away from. And we're thinking in powerful, powerfully centered relational terms. Everything you do is in service of your relationship or it's a movement away from. And people can sling out these things like, oh, he's a sex addict. No, he's not. No, he's not because he was very thoughtful, very methodical, was good at lying and covering their tracks. There's nothing impulsive or compulsive in that. That is very thoughtful. Not, as, not only is sex addiction not a real thing, we've talked about that on the show, and if you want to learn more about it, read my books. Um, but that's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. No, you actively chose someone that you were attracted to. You actively tried to find and create situations where you could be alone with them to do this. You then took your time to come home, come up with a lie and lie to me. That's not, a, that's not an addiction. <laughs> that is a methodical, mapped out, planned out act of narcissism. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and keep talking about it. Stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're having a really honest discussion about cheating. And the reason why you might hear me feeling so powerfully about it is because I work with this a lot and the damage that's done. And we can come up with all these labels to excuse our behavior. What we really need to do is just own it because often cheating is based on opportunity that's been created, right? Um, maintained. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, and we can't just write it off. And we want to look at what was that about for us? What need were we trying to get met, right? Why are we not going to our partner who we claim to love and care for and discuss and try to get those needs met there? If we're hungry for deeper connection or more eroticism, we need to create that with our partner or discuss with them some other situation, right? But dating and romance and relationships shouldn't be things that make us feel bad or harm us or make us work worse off. But yet they do because we don't treat each other kindly. And this isn't gendered. Because women are the, are the higher rates of cheaters. When we look at the stats now, more women cheat than men. So it's not a male issue, which is what a lot of people like to make it about. This is now something that more women are doing. And we can talk again as to what that's about, but it's more women. It's also more women that are asking for open relationships and group sex and things like that. And again, it's rooted in a lot of the same things. Female sexual empowerment, female confidence, a lack of willingness to be in things they don't want to be in. Women are working more. A lot of um, affairs and cheating takes place at the work, at the work site. Um, so this is work for all of us. This isn't gendered. But we need to have more empathy. Because there's something very uh, narcissistic, and narcissism is on the uh, continuum. The other end of narcissism is sociopathy. Narcissism is a light version of sociopathy. Narcissism is saying, like, my needs matter more. Sociopathy is an extreme version where they're saying, I don't care at all about how what people need or want, and I don't mind harming people, especially for my benefit. So cheating is narcissism for sure. It's saying, I have no empathy for how this will you know, uh, impact or what this will do for others, and my needs matter more. So is it a characterological issue? Maybe, maybe you need to realize if you're a cheater or you've been cheated on that you are or you're with someone who does this in other areas. Where else do they only center or prioritize their needs? And if you're the cheater, ask yourself that. Is this something that I do in other areas of my life? Am I always putting my needs first? Am I harming others to get what I want? Is it a characterological issue? Or is it a relational issue? I'm not getting my needs met with my partner and instead of going up against my anxiety and having an honest conversation with them about who I am and what I need and what I'm struggling with, I just go get the needs met without telling them. Or is it around impulses? Or is it around low self-esteem? I think of Tiger Woods. He wasn't a sex addict, my God. He was someone who never felt attractive, never felt important, finally rises to fame, thinks he's above and beyond and doesn't think he has to honor rules and boundaries and just goes and has sex because he wants it and doesn't have any consideration for harming his wife. So it was a lot of narcissism. It was a lot of boundarylessness. It was finally getting attention and it overwhelmed him. These are the clarifications, but they're not the reasons. But, you know, again, really zero in on that. Also, ruin the fantasy. Because a lot of times we have a fantasy of what we think cheating and all that's going to be about. It often doesn't even provide that, right? But we need to, we need to really honestly self-assess what, what, what this is about. But if you're someone who's actively cheating, stop it. And if you're someone who's been cheating on, you have to really ask yourself, is this a one-time thing? and the healing has happened? Or is this an ongoing characterological issue, meaning it's rooted in the core of who he is or she is, and this is something that they might continue to do? Or this is someone that they've all, this is something they've always done, cheating or maybe not even cheating, but not really ever thought about your needs, thereby lacking that empathy. 
So it's a really powerful moment for self and other to really look at like what should happen next, but make meaning out of it. What are other things you should do? Talk, bounce it off of someone. If you're really thinking about doing these things, sit down and talk to someone that you feel safe with and you care about. That'll tell you the truth, right? And, and bigger than all of this, go, go back to your relationship, turn to your partner, turn to your partner to get your needs met, turn to your partner to talk about what's going on. Because again, like I said, cheating is a solution to something. It's a symptom of something. It's not just that I like a lot of sex. Because if it is, talk to your partner about that. I want open. I want an open relationship. I want uh, non-monogamy. Or I want us to work on whatever it is. But actually face yourself. Actually face your partner. Actually face the relationship. That is the kindest, most loving thing you can do is let your partner know where you're at. And cheating is like a removal of that, right? It's happening behind their back. They haven't been involved in that. They haven't been included. They've been lied to. They've been disempowered, right? That's traumatic. But so is this idea that the person I thought I was with is actually someone different. And then we retroactively try to redefine. Well, what else might I have been lied to about? And who else might I not be able to trust my partner around, right? So it's like a fragmentation around all of that. That's why it goes so deep. It leaks. And then we move forward with tons of triggers, right? People, places, and things that maybe we were told were, we think were associated with the infidelity. And now every time we drive by that restaurant or we drive by your office or we're asked to go to an office event and they're there, right? Or, the, or we knew that you were there together. Now we have to deal with the triggers. It rolls on, it rolls out. It's big, you know? All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Line G page. Any question you got, any topic you want us to cover, drop it in there. And of course, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, and click on it. We'll be back, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are always brought to you from the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Producer Alex hooks it up, so uh, drop them in there. Topics, questions. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, at what point do you need to tell the person you're talking to about someone else that you're talking to? For example, I'm single, actively dating a few different people. They do know that I'm dating, but they don't know that I'm having sex with them. If I am safe about it, getting tested regularly, is it important to tell them or can I keep that part private? Oh, this is such a good question. So, you know, dating is about um, spending time with multiple people to see if anyone is a match or compatible enough to maybe choose to step into a relationship with them. And I always say on the show, don't assume monogamy or commitment or primariness until it's been discussed because healthy people are actively seeing others. They're dating. Dating isn't the relationship, right? Dating is to see if you want one. Although we have to have, as this person's essentially calling out in their question, we do have accountability and responsibility for how we impact people. And I love that you're seeing that. So your question's kind of like, listen, you know, this other person knows that I'm seeing others. Um, Do I have to tell them more? Well, yes and no. No, in that we don't need to just vomit out and disclose um, things that aren't um, really related to their well-being, right? I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words because I don't want us to be boundary-less. We're allowed to have boundaries. We're allowed to have privacy. We don't want to mislead or manipulate, right? So do you need to just say, hey, just so you know, I'm dating other people? Well, no, just like you don't need to throw that out there around other factors that don't necessarily involve them. Um, I want people to ask for what they need and ask the questions that they have, right? So it's really about being honest with what is, right? So it's kind of like how I say to, to everyone, if you go on a date with someone and you don't reach out and they don't reach out, we're all good. But if someone reaches out saying, hey, I had fun, I'd love to see you again, you do need to respond. Ghosting is to just blow them off or ignore them. That is, un- that is both unethical and it's emotionally violent, right? So if you're dating someone and they say, hey, are you dating other people? Yeah, answer them truthfully. Or you can assert privacy where you say, yeah, I'm not really comfortable uh, answering that. You're asserting privacy. Does that mean they know the answer? Well, it's not about that. It's about you setting a boundary and saying, yeah, I'm not comfortable talking about that. And then they get to make what they want out of that, right? Because it's not about lying or we're, we're just being where we are. So if this person asks, are you having sex with others? Then tell them, yes, you are. But if they don't ask, you're not lying, you're asserting privacy or you're not anxiously just vomiting out information. 
if you're sleeping with someone, you should always ask, are you having sex with others? Are you getting tested? When's the last time you were tested? And we should be using protection, right? So there's a responsibility on both ends. We are always responsible for our relational and sexual health. So if we are dating or having sex with someone, we should be asking the necessary questions. We can't expect them to tell us, right? And that's because people, again, are allowed to have boundaries and privacy. We don't need to tell everyone everything. So if they ask, tell them. And if they don't ask, you don't have to. But we are allowed and should operate with an ethic of compassion and care. So if you think they have the wrong idea, well, then, yeah, ethically, maybe say to them, hey, I just want to let you know that I am dating and seeing other people. And then you sit in that and you see what they say. And maybe you decide to be more serious or less serious or more monogamous or less monogamous. But it's not a game. We're not trying to win. We're not trying to get one over on people. So it's okay to be transparent and to let them know all the needed information so that they can decide what they need. So if you think it might be important for them to know, tell them. It's not a game, right? No one's trying to win. It's okay to be kind and open. But I don't think it's necessary if there's no real impact and it's just early dating, you know? So it's a little bit of both. So I hope you heard the answer in that. It's it's kind of dependent on what's what's really happening, but the global answer for everyone is don't assume anything. And if you have questions, ask. And if someone asks you an honest question, give them an honest answer or at least say to them, I'm not comfortable talking about that. And if they then just determine that that means a specific answer, well, then they get to choose what to go do with that, you know? But don't lie. I hope that answers your question. If you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Love on IG page. We'll be back and we're going to be talking about uh, depression and uh, carrying our workload and all of our responsibilities. Why depress ways to uh, kind of manage, get around. And uh, then we'll be sliding back into those DMs. So if you got a DM, as I said, drop it in there and past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Going to take a little music break so you can all get your dance on and uh, we'll be back. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Alrighty, we're back. And uh, as always, we're trying to look at all the different common things that we uh, encounter. Depression, um, something that, what was it, like 17? Let me look at the stat. Give me one second. I was scrolling by something. Yeah, 17 million adults in the United States um, you know, meet criteria for depression. That's a big number. A lot of it's systemic. Uh, and we're not really going to get into that, but a lot of that is not an individual thing. We realize that most, most mental health issues are not biologically driven. They're not locatable in the body. It's, it's encountering the world, right? It's, it's the way we feel within the world, right? It's an external thing that we then internalize. A lot of depression is rooted in not finding purpose and meaning in our lives or in what we're doing. A lot of depression is rooted in feeling disconnected and lonely, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we always want to look at the psychological um, drives and implications surrounding it. Um, medication's great to help us take the edge off and to be able to work through and figure out. But, you know, when we're feeling depressed or anxious, it's a call to attention. What's going on in our lives that need tending to? We have to go into it. We don't want to just get rid of it. Depression and anxiety are going to be things we have to learn how to feel, right? Mental health is the ability to feel all emotional experiences and to deal with them and to go into them and to still participate in the world, right? We're going to be depressed at times. And the work is about saying, what is that depression asking for? Um, and sometimes it's just, we're not feeling great and we carry it with us. Other times it's more clinical and we definitely want to get into therapy or some medications. And like I said, other times it's more existential. All of that for another time, all this to say, to ground us in our topic is how do we manage it when we maybe have a lot of work we have to get done? Because sadly, we don't all have the ability to take time off from work or to take the day off. We have kids, family, other responsibilities. So what are some of the things we can do, right? Um, first off, and this is not a cure-all, and I know we're tired of hearing this, always pay attention to the foundational pieces. You know, when we talk about things like resilience and focusing on mental health and self-care, it's so that if and when our anxiety, depression, or all these other things emerge, we it, they're not emerging while also already not taking care of ourselves or not being stable or doing well. It's so that if and when they emerge, we have our foundational, we have our, our foundation solid and strong. We have access to the things we need. 
And if we're participating and keeping our mental health strong, then sometimes we won't even really feel maybe some of the anxiety and depression or stress. And so that's why when we say all the time over and over, I say it all the time on the show, like make sure you're focusing on self-care, make sure you're building in tons of rest, make sure you're focusing on joy and pleasure. If you're very well rested, right, and your life has tons of purpose and meaning, and you've been socializing, which means you have a social network built and strong and in place, when these things come in or start to creep up, you have resources. And maybe it won't matter, you know, because we do better, we're more robust when we're within relationship. In, in terms of all mental health struggles, if we know that we have people that have our back, we will fare better, especially if we look at the um, outcomes on trauma. Some people it's lesser, the recovery is quicker, and some people don't show any signs of PTSD if they have people in their life and access to people afterwards. Same thing with all mental health issues. If mental health ha issues happen in the context of living very stably, having resources in place, finding purpose and meaning in the world, having a great social network, you're going to weather it far better. But if it's all happening while you're struggling socially, feeling disconnected and alone, you know, misusing alcohol, not getting enough sleep, oh my God, it's like a house of cards. It was that you finally put that one thing on top that it all just falls apart. But again, if you build that house of cards on a really solid table and all the cards are placed each level in a very strong, robust way, you can keep building it on top and a top and keep adding and it's not gonna drop. So we really wanna get our, our, our foundation. So again, that's why I'm always saying, don't wait until you need these things to build them in. We have to build them in on the daily. That's why we were saying a lot during COVID, make sure you're reaching out to three people a day, staying close and connected. Make sure you're getting enough sleep, but also adding in periods of rest. Are you building in purpose and meaning to your day? You know what I mean? That's why I'm always saying that. So if you don't have that built in, now go back and do that. What else can we do? other than amping that up and reconnecting to that. Well, we can also focus on what's going on around us. When we can't feel in control or we don't feel in control of a part of our life, we need to feel in control of other parts. It's kind of that wild saying, if you keep your house clean and you make your bed, when other things are going wrong, you're not also gonna see that added on. That's not also gonna make you feel bad. So it's like, if, you might, if you're overwhelmed with work, Go clean your place. Go get everything else put where it needs to be. Get control in some area because if we're feeling out of control in one domain, it won't help us if we fall, feel out of control or disconnected or chaotic in all domains. If work is gonna be chaotic, make your life feel very structured and regulated so it's not chaos on top of chaos. To the best you can. Let me read you a quote. Research supports the idea that the physical work environment has a direct impact on wellness and job performance. In addition to keeping things organized, then they talk about considering some mood boosting things like pictures, plants, and soft lighting. I actually love that. I'm working from home. When I'm doing my clinical work, I might find some stress because I'm sitting in emotions and processing them with my clients. I'm really gonna be feeling and internalizing what's going on in our sessions. So I make sure that the temperature in the room in which it's happening feels comfortable to me. I'm sitting here wearing sweatpants and clothing that feels comfortable to sit in. I'm also having a coffee nearby, a protein shake and water. So my basic needs are getting met while that's happening as well. I have the lighting at a level that feels good to me because while other things might feel overwhelming, I want what I can control to be controlled, but I also wanna think about making some anchoring in those other things. Let's take a break and I'll, I'll come back and explain that more. Uh, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency returns to Park MGM October 14th through the 31st. Go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets, a hotel stay at Park MGM, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending money. Tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows, Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more Loveline. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about just depression, but again, it, it really applies to any mental health struggle. And we're talking about if and when these things occur, and it's more when all of us will deal with depression, anxiety, small traumas, stress, uh, adjustment issues. That's just part of life. And we were talking about how when you're really doing the basic work, when these things happen, you have a real strong, solid foundation. And we're saying that a lot of times things will happen in your life with kids, with work, whatever it is that might feel overwhelming, disempowered, chaotic. But at least if the conditions within which those things are happening feel comfortable and soothing and you're in control of them and they feel grounding, you'll be better able to deal with it. It's hard to deal with chaos 
and disempowerment when your environment feels that way as well. And I was saying, focus on what you can. Um, God, I talked about this early on, or like about a year ago. I was saying, try to ground more things in pleasure. How do you feel about what you're wearing? Wear clothing that you feel comfortable in. If and when things happen that day that feel bad or out of control, at least that will be soothing. Have lighting that makes sense. Have the temperature at a level that feels soothing and comfortable. At least start off foundationally being good and grounded, right? And taking care of yourself so that whatever happens, you have access to those things. I'm always paying attention to the temperature of my office and my home. I'm always lowering the lighting to a degree that feels soothing in my home and in my office. I always have liquids around so I feel hydrated and I'm drinking my coffee. I often have a pen in my hand to just dispel extra energy, something to play with, something to distract my extra energy because I skew higher energy, right? In my downtime, I usually have music that I like playing around me. Those are things we have control over, the environment. Take control of those. Put objects or pictures around you that are soothing, that are anchoring, that are empowering. So that if you get a, a, a jerky email from a client or a friend or your boss, at least you have a photo of someone you love that makes you feel safe or looking back at you. Or you have objects around you, statues, rocks, pendants, things that remind you and, and bring you back to how you want to think, how you want to feel. I sometimes have different books out. And those books symbolize and remind me of what I want to consider, what I want to think about, how I want to be. I have statues around in different places in my home to also do that. I brought plants in because I find them soothing. Nature soothes us. You know, I want to see soothing things around me because while the world might feel chaotic, I want what I have access and control over to not feel that way. So really look around and think about that. What, what's going on in my office, at my desk, in my home? Can I change the lighting, the sounds, the smells? I'm a big fan of smells, burn scented candles. I love uh, grapefruit oil, just 100% grapefruit oil. And you just put a couple drops in your hand and rub it. Joy, pure joy, it makes me smile and I have positive associations with it. I also have lavender essential oil. Put it in my hands and rub it, bring it up to my face. That's soothing. Have flowers out, you know, decorate your environment. Pay attention to all the senses. That's gonna help us. Again, we're not getting rid of the depression or the anxiety, but we're trying to allow it to enter in a grounded space that's already, you know, feeling rooted in self-care. Um, movement's another thing. When we're feeling depressed or anxious, often we might need to just evacuate energy or we maybe need to change our mood or our state. Music's another great thing. I'm telling you, if you're feeling low and you want to lift up, play positive, fun, bouncy music. I know what songs to turn to to make me feel better. I know what songs to turn to to soothe and to slow me down. Start to bring in music, right? But also, like we said, movement. If you're feeling very anxious, go do push-ups, go for a walk, shake it off. Sometimes though we need to do the opposite. We need to deep breathe and slow down. You have to kind of check in with yourself. But sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to get up and go for a walk and shake it off. Other times you have to just change the environment. If you're feeling very depressed or anxious, maybe you need to go sit in a different space. All those things matter. We even know just what you're wearing matters, not even just from the position of comfort, but we know that if you're wearing business attire, you'll feel more attentive, focused, and professional, where if you're wearing more soothing, comfortable things like sweatpants, you might get a little more casual. I wanna always feel more casual, so I'm always wearing softer, more soothing things. But maybe you need to put on some more professional clothing, or like I said, maybe you need to take that off. But just really check in with yourself. But know that we can manipulate these other pieces. Also, when you're struggling with mental health stuff, especially depression, and we're talking about work and workload, also think about what you're eating. Are you eating things that bring you up and then drop you down and have a crash? It's usually what we turn to. We start turning to caffeine and sugar. It gives us a quick burst, feels good for a second, but then we crash. We have to consider what happens after. Alcohol is the same way. We sleep poorly, it helps you fall asleep, but it doesn't help you stay asleep, and it can actually wake you up, wake you up and you feel groggy in the morning. Alcohol and food don't solve things. I'm not saying they're not sometimes helpful forms of coping, but they're not self-care because they don't have a positive outcome often. But I am a fan of that. Sometimes you just need to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's and you use food to help you with your feelings. It puts a joy on your, you know, brings a little joy and puts a little smile on your face. It's a little bit of a respite. So it can work, but really pay attention to the impact it can have on your mood. High sugar, high carbs can make you sleepy, can make it harder. Like really sit with that. Sometimes it's actively kind of working against. Um, we do want to pay attention to that. Uh, 
Other things we can do, sometimes it's gonna be about just access. Um, I, I know if I was working from home and I had children around, I might need to kind of create boundaries and say things like, hey, when I'm in this room and the door's closed, I need to be left alone because I'm, I'm, you know, consider that me being at the office or maybe put a sign on the door. Um, also be aware of time and space. Sometimes it helps people to set a clock, maybe for an hour, work for an hour, the alarm goes off, I'm gonna take a break or walk around. Um, or maybe the opposite, set a timer for your break, but setting an alarm can help you. Also have ends and starts. Sometimes the day can just drift, especially if we're working from home, start your day at a certain time and end your day at a certain time. I think that's always important. Always have a time when work is done, where you're not available via email, you're not checking work stuff, and you're just done. It's personal time, it's family time. Seven o'clock sounds good to me. At seven o'clock, you're done working, no more work, don't check your work emails. Just be with your friendly, your family, be with your friends. Focus on dinner and television, going for a walk, whatever it is. But we need to be on the clock and we need to be hard off the clock. Sometimes if we're checking our phone for emails, it's keeping us in a stress state. And we need to just say, I'm not available again until tomorrow. And then I don't have to worry about the anticipatory stress or the actual stress. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll keep talking about this. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're closing out just talking about um, how to deal with mental health stresses, but in relationship to work and workload and depression and anxiety. And we were talking a lot about just paying attention to what you can control. And I was saying, paying attention to what you're wearing. Are you wearing comfortable things? What about the environment? What's on your desk or in your office? Do you need to clean things up? Do you need to bring in plants or pictures of loved ones to make you smile and to empower you? Do you need to play a certain kind of music to lift you up or to soothe you? Um, Paying attention to what you're eating, a lot of carbohydrates, sugar, caffeine might spike you, but then drop you, make you sleepy. But then we're also talking about being on the clock and off the clock. Set a timer so that you're taking breaks. You know, be off the clock at a certain time where you're no longer reachable. So you don't have that anticipatory anxiety. Oh, I'm going to look. I wonder what's going to be in my email. No, give yourself off till the next day. It's okay to go unavailable for the night. We can't always be expected to always be reachable by anyone. There's times of night, I've said this before, where my phone's off and no one can reach me. No one. I'm not available anymore. It's about my personal private time, you know? And that's about me and myself and what I need. And I, I'm, not, I'm just not available anymore. And we need to be able to do that. Um, also, just putting your devices down and away. Go plug them in in your bedroom. And don't look at them again till the next morning when you get up. Like, you're allowed to be done and away from your phone. I've been sticking it in a drawer in the kitchen so that I can't even reach for it when I'm in my bedroom or the office or my couch. It's not, it's literally not reachable. There's nothing I need on there. I'm cooking dinner. I'm spending time with my babe. I'm watching my shows. And that's that, you know? Because when someone texts us or emails us, we are setting up the, the possibility of them bringing us into a different mood. I don't know what someone's struggling with or worrying about, but I like the mood that I'm setting and that I'm in. That's my intention. And I don't want to give people a chance to kind of pull me into a different space or redirect my focus or my attention. I have my priorities, my family, that's family time, you know? But I think the phone is, we've talked about this one thing at a time. If you're gonna watch your shows, watch your shows. If you're gonna be on the phone, pose, uh, pause the shows. But we need to stop with all the multitasking. It's burning us out, it's keeping us disconnected, right? Um, and for people with work, I, I, you know, if you're working from home, like I said, compartmentalize it. Work is over there. When I'm in that space, the kids know to leave you alone or you close the door. And when I'm done work, I'm out of that space. It really helps to separate them. So the stress is over there and the comfort's over there. But sometimes people try to kind of hybrid them, you know, and you want to keep them very, 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 very separate. Um, also not getting overwhelmed by not staying on top of things. There's something about everyone constantly delaying. You know, sometimes the smartest thing is to tackle the most stressful, right, hard things first and then kind of gliding into the easier things. But it's that delay all. It just allows that anticipatory anxiety to maintain itself, maintain itself, you know? And if all of this isn't working, it's time to maybe get into some therapy to really process better coping skills or maybe looking at some changes that need to be made because sometimes there's things going on in our life where we can't cope and we need to make bigger decisions than that, you know? Change our relationship to something. Change the people in our lives. Make some big structural changes. Not everything is copable. Not everything we, you know, not everything has a quick tip and a trick to manage. Sometimes things are just bigger than us and will continue to be. 
And that's the thing. We only have the internal resources to deal with and cope with so much. We don't always have the internal resources or skills to deal with what's happening, especially when it's multi-tiered and multi-layered or it's chronic, right? And so we don't want to shame ourselves. There, it is okay to reach a point where you say, this is bigger than me. This is going on too long. You know, this is having farther reaching impacts than I'm comfortable with it having because it's leaking out or rolling out. You know, and the way to assess that is always what's the quality of your primary relationships. If your primary relationships are negative impacted, are negatively impacted by whatever we're talking about, it's time to look at making some changes because our primary relationships should be the most important things in our life. And anything that gets in the way of us really fully showing up or participating is inherently then a problem, right? And that's the best barometer is not just your own mental health, but your relational health. You know, and that will also help you realize what's functional or not. If, like I said, something's too overwhelming or keeping you too occupied or pulling you away from or depleting you too much or stressing you out so you can't show up in your primary relationships at all or in the way you want, then you need to make changes in these other factors because your relationship shouldn't be the thing that has to constantly be on the receiving end of, bear the brunt of, you know what I mean? Um, be punished for, negatively impacted by. We're working on not doing that anymore. Because that's always the easy place. Uh, they'll understand. I'll be better next time. I promise I'll make it up to you. No, we're not doing that anymore. Be there. Show up. Prioritize. You know? But it's a strange world right now. So I'm just holding space for that. Before we wrap up this segment, I acknowledge that. Things are amplified. Things are more overwhelming. We don't have access to a lot of our coping and our resources. Every day it's something new, right? With the, the forest fires, the hurricane, um, flooding, Right. Earthquakes, Afghanistan, you know, COVID numbers rising. And now we're seeing new variants and people still won't wear masks. It, it, it never ends. It never ends. So I send love and empathy and all of that. Um, coming up next, though, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So as always, we got a DM for us. Question, topic you want covered. Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show, if you want to binge them, post them, share them, re-listen, is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and the name of the show and click on it. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, uh, I'm looking for some good documentary. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm looking for some good documentaries on mental health. Any streaming platforms are welcome. Wow, that's a good one. Uh, it's hard for me to answer that. Uh, I, in my downtime, well, in my downtime within my work schedule, I do a lot of extra research and writing and whatnot. Um, film for me is, uh, self-care and fun. So I, I, although I do like to watch things that have, uh, some depth and meat to it, uh, I tend to like to watch things that are more fun and lighthearted. My work has a, has a lot of depth and heaviness to it. Right. And so I like lighter things. So I watch a lot of horror and crime. Um, so in my private time, I'm not watching film that's related to mental health. So I honestly have no idea. I love documentaries, but I tend to watch documentaries centered in crime or lives of people that I find interesting in other ways. But I can only live in the mental health world for so many hours of my life, right? There's other parts of my identity and those, you know, I'm into cooking and baking now and a lot of other things. Uh, so I have no clue. However, if you have HBO, uh, there were two that I saw that were stunning. One was on trans children. I didn't like some of the elements towards the end of it, but that was pretty great. Don't know the name of it. Google, you'll find it. And also um, one about the persecution of gay people in Russia. Uh, Google and find that one. It's also stunning, but I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, it's not my bag. Those aren't the kinds of films and television stuff I watch. Um, but, I, you know, do a little Google. You know, mental health documentaries, <laughs> you will probably find a lot. Um, I'm glad we're doing more of that. 
I think we have to be careful though. There's a lot of people that are, you know, posting and talk about mental health topics that don't have any training or certification or clinical experience. And sometimes I've seen some things that aren't good or healthy that are really born out of pop psychology, like codependence and everyone's a narcissist and like all this stuff that is just a mess. Uh, so just be a little thoughtful about who's making these posts and where this information is coming from. Um, there's a lot of people with big followings that that magically makes people think that they know something and you know, they'll hashtag mental health advocate, but they're not a therapist or a mental health professional. So just be very thoughtful, but yeah, I don't know. Let me know. Feel free to slide back in. If you find something, let me know and I'll share it with the listeners, you know, listeners, same to y'all slide in the DMS on our love on IG page. Let me know what mental health documentaries you're into and I'll bring them back up on the show. I'm always open to keeping the ball in the air. You know, we're talking about a topic. Please don't shoot me a personal email though. Those are for clients and other projects. Um, if you have an email related to the show, slide it in the DMS. Uh, especially if it's about something like that. But like, hey, like you're learning, we're open to all questions, you know what I mean? Um, so that is that, uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, so definitely join us. And you know, again, let's take a moment. What has what our day been centered in? Have you today, right? Whenever this is that you're hearing this, have you today done something that's an act of self-care? Still time. Have you added in something that's just rooted in joy and pleasure? No, nothing productive, nothing more meaningful than a few moments of just a burst of some dopamine. Maybe go get a, some ice cream, non-dairy, please. Uh, maybe go spend some time reading a book. Maybe take a walk, reach out to a friend. I, I got to get back to reminding you all of that. Every day, connect with three people every single day. Send them a text, get them on the phone, FaceTime. And if you can't, work on building that up. Why can't you? That should be, what, that should be a priority in your day. Not, not a lot of the other things you might be doing. It's, it's self-care, it's mental health. And we're also then being there for others. So it's community care, you know, letting other people know that you're there and asking them as always, like, how's your mental health? We need, we need more of that. You know, it makes me sad when I'm working with clients in my practice and I'm saying to these patients of mine, you know, what's, what kind of socialization? And the answer is always, oh, I'm too busy, I'm tired, I'm working a lot. I'm like, then you're out of balance. Work should be only a little bit of our energy and only a portion of our day. We're pushing for four day work weeks, six hour work days. That's rooted in health. No one should be working eight hours a day or even more. No one should be working five days a week. It's too much. Two days off to do everything, including housework and all that, that's not fair, that's not, that's not mental health centered. So try to push that back. Can you work less days a week? Can you work less hours in a day? Turning off your phone at a certain time, closing your laptop, setting boundaries with your job or your boss, more relational time, more time and pleasure, more self-care. That is, that's the people I'm proud of. People are like, oh, I'm working a lot. I'm like, sorry to hear that. And I know that there's privilege in that, but we can still push back at times. I think some of us hide out and we're not participating in our lives or our relationships. So focus on that. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. Enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, we are Channel Q for, you know, past episodes. And uh, see y'all tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.